I've listened to Pep by Lights for two months. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is my friend Connor. All of the lights. No, 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 wait. You hated the album. You're singing Kanye. No, yeah, yeah, but that's that one little section was uh was catchy. It was earwormy. And I've now recently learned that entire song was about uh, the artist we're doing today. Oh. All about lights. All of the lights. No, it's not about lights, the artist. It's just about other kinds of lights. Oh. But good on you for connecting, making connections. I don't remember because that was like that was like episode three, so I don't remember. Was there ever a section where you just started listing different types of lights? Yeah, there was. Like LED, infrared, oh. da 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 That is my favorite kind of light. Yeah. Okay, before we go much farther, I have some business. Okay. It's been a while since the um, Spin and Art Department has really been featured heavily on an episode. Yeah. Um, they've been doing so, so a lot of good work for us, but we haven't really highlighted them. Yes, behind the scenes, they've done a lot. Yeah. If you've been to our streams, you saw some Spin and Art Department work. Indeed. Uh, but I have a new art department project that was just uh, hot off the press. We have a new addition to the Spinet mascot department. Oh, I forgot we talked about this. Yeah, you know, our newest addition, Rockadile, the crocodile head. Talked about on episode 70, the Elton John episode. The Elton John episode. And in the spirit of that, you know, I, th- I felt like Rockadile really captured the essence of Elton John. And so uh, that's what I had the art department draw him in the style of. And uh, this is the result. There you are. <laughs> and Elton John Rockadile. Boy, I love that. Yep. Wow. Go follow us on social media on Twitter at SpinItPod and on Instagram at SpinItPodOfficial. Yeah, you can see the Rockadile mascots for yourself. Yeah, you can see them for yourself. Well, I like the Rockadile, but... That's not why we're here. It's not. I just had to get that out of the way before we got it got randomly brought up in the middle of the episode. So now it got brought up at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, before we dived in, you know, hit it off strong. Yeah. Well, let's dive in then, shall we? With Rockadile's blessing, we should continue. Let's talk about Lights. Lights is an artist I'm pretty sure you don't know because it's an artist I didn't know until recently. How dare you assume what I know and don't know? You don't know what I haven't tried. I do know that you don't know Lights. Yeah, I don't know Lights. Not yet. Well, I mean, I do know I've listened to it, but I don't know anything about them, so tell me. I will. I was introduced to Lights by a friend who spoke really highly of this album, played a lot of it for me, and I was kind of hooked pretty much right away. So I was excited to get this one in the Albums of the Month rotation, get it on the podcast, and share it with you and everybody. So let's talk. Lights. Oh, I have more information. On what? I just think it's important to kick this off at the beginning of the episode because I'm about to dive into them. Wendy's has started a new promotion, a family pack of chicken nuggets. Why now? Because I have them. Oh. <laughs> you could get 50 chicken nuggets for $15. Yeah. And I got them. And I'm not saying I'm going to eat them all in the recording or we're not going to have a milk situation, hopefully. Um, We've also been talking for like an hour before we started this recording. And have they just been sitting there? No, I put them in the microwave to keep them warm. Oh my gosh. We're going to see how many of them I eat 
They were my dinner tonight. Okay, we're going to see how many of the family pack of nuggets you can eat while we do this episode. Not can I eat, will I eat. I'm not going to eat more than I want to eat. It's not a challenge. Uh, Not a challenge. We're just at the end of the episode. We'll wrap up and see what the total is. And for the record, you won't hear it. I will absolutely cut all of that out. Okay, continue. Where was I? Oh, I hadn't started. <laughs> Light Poxleitner Bocan was born Valerie Ann Poxleitner in Ontario, Canada in 1987. Her last name is where she derived the pseudonym Lights, which is mostly just how she's known now. She says it totally explains what my music is about, lightening people's moods and stuff. And, you know, I think it was a smart move because even though a different band already existed by the name Lights, since she changed her actual name, she was able to use it without running into any legal trouble, which I think is kind of funny. And she says she also really loves writing capital L's, which her real name doesn't have. So it's a win-win. Fair enough. And now I feel like a capital L is fun. It is. It's like a 90 degree angle. I was always partial to the cursive S, lowercase s, because you got to make so many fun, like, it's like a little, like, it's probably the most complicated one to make. That's true. It's quite squiggly. It was just fun. Although G's are also very complicated to make. Capital cursive G's, and they're impossible to make look right. Yeah, doesn't have the J have a weird one in cursive as well? No, F does, though. F, no, yeah, F is what I was thinking of. You're right. Mm-hmm. To all of our younger audience who didn't have to learn cursive, you don't know what we're talking about right now. No, but there you have it. Spin's favorite letters are L, G, S, an F. I like O as well because it gives you a chance to try to make like when you make a perfect O, you know. Have you made a perfect O? Uh, yeah, a couple times on accident, never on purpose. Wow, I aspire to that. What do you mean, never on purpose? Do you is not every attempt at writing an O an attempt to create the perfect O? No, I don't think it is. I think sometimes I'm just writing something and there's an O in it, and I don't really care. Wow, shame on you. I strive for passable O's. All right. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> Capital L's, right? Lights grew up traveling a lot. Her parents were missionaries, so she spent a lot of time abroad in the Philippines and Jamaica and more. During which time, her mom homeschooled her, while her dad was the one that taught her to play guitar and make music. What you might not know or be able to tell from this record is that Lights was a singer and a guitarist in a metal band called Shovel Face in her early days. So, I mean, we've had some artists get some starts at metal bands before, right? Yeah. And I think they all ended up not being metal artists. Yeah, because it sucks. No, it doesn't. What? Metal's all right. It's the Penguin's favorite genre. (laughs) Can't argue with that. Within metal, you know, you get your different subgenres of metal, and Mm -hmm. some of those are... Leave, leave something to be desired. Okay, I can't argue with that. In 2001, she made her first song on an 8-track recorder, and she moved to Toronto to pursue making music. She signed with Sony ATV and started making music for TV early on in her career. Yep. Yeah, her first work appeared on the show Instant Star. Her other work started to catch some attention, too. She had a single called Drive My Soul, which hit number 18 on the Canadian Hot 100 charts, and she started touring around Canada and the United States. In 2008, she signed with Warner's Doghouse Records and put out a self-titled EP, which helped secure a full LP called The Listening for her next year. It would sell more than 80,000 copies, which earned Lights the Juno Award for New Artist of the Year. And then, Spin Cycle Connection, which everybody seems to have nowadays. That means we're really, uh, you know, our web is wide. Yeah, it is. The Spin It Wide Web. But here's the Spin Cycle tie-in. Lights went on a world tour with Owl City in 2010, Mm. who was famous for his single Fireflies, which you may remember from episode 60, our One Hit Wonders Bracket Challenge. Yeah, go watch that live stream on Twitch or just listen to the episode anywhere else. Yeah, the live stream's also on YouTube. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 
In this stretch of her career, she put out her second album, Siberia, which featured the hit single Toes, and her third record, Little Machines, which featured her top 40 song, Up We Go, and a couple other EPs, including an acoustic project and an iTunes session special. Uh, Nothing exclusive to Starbucks, though, as far as I'm aware. (laughs) I looked that up, by the way, the Starbucks thing. I googled and did some more research, and Uh it turns out, yeah, Starbucks used to sell CDs up until like 2007, 8, 9, and it was a big deal when they pulled them. I didn't realize i didn't drink coffee or go to starbucks back then but some people probably listened to that episode and thought we were young guns that never knew yeah i say the mixtape was trying to give you the truth and you were just so incredulous i know during this time is when she also got connected with 21 pilots josh dunn who we'll talk again about soon and she got married to Bo Bocan, vocalist of metalcore bands Bless the Fall and Take the Crown. In 2017, she put out a really significant project, which I thought was really cool. Her fourth album was called Skin and Earth, and it was released in tandem with a self-made comic book series, yep. much like Coheed and Cambria, who we talked about on episode 59. So one month at a time, she would put out a song and then an issue of the comic to go with it until she released the entire album, one song and comic at a time. Yep. She had some songs featured in Just Dance 2018. I know how much you played Just Dance. <laughs> Not that one, though. No, that was a little after your dance era. She was also able to tour and work with some more musicians and bands, including Young the Giant, whom I also love, look out for a future episode sometime, and Dead Mouse. In 2019, she signed to Fueled by Ramen, which is a label you may have heard of if you've paid any attention to music labels. It's home to artists like All Time Low, Funz, Nate Roos, uh, Panic at the Disco. It's the former home of Fallout Boy, Jimmy Eat World, Paramore, 303, and more. So Fueled by Ramen's quite a place. And after a couple more EPs over the next two years, we finally get to Pep, our subject for today. That came out on April 1st, 2022. Like a lot of Light's other work, Pep is really punchy. It's this electro pop sound with a lot of synths, a lot of really high energy drums. In her own words, she says her music is like an electronic landscape of moody sunset times, which I don't know. What do you think? Is that accurate? Yeah, I think so. I thought so too. I thought that was a great way to describe it. I was like, that's exactly what Pep is. Yeah. Her big influences include Bjork, Super Tramp, and another slight spin cycle tie-in, Genesis. Uh, We haven't talked about Genesis super specifically, but we did a Collins episode. Much like her last project, too, Skin and Earth, Pep also came out with a graphic novel, which acted as a side story to that first series. It kind of continued on like a different direction for Skin and Earth. Some of these songs were being worked on as early as 2019, but after the pandemic in 2020, she wanted to rework the album so it was a little more positive in light of declining mental health. She said that signing to Fueled by Ramen actually inspired her to approach this music with a little bit more of a rock edge than she had previously, which I think feels pretty evident on some of these tracks. Four singles were released to promote Pep, Prodigal Daughter, Real Thing, Salt and Vinegar, and In My Head, which I think is a pretty solid four singles, but I don't know if all those are ones I would have chosen, but that's just me. It debuted at number 32 on the Canadian album charts, and on the U.S. top album sales chart, it rose all the way up to number 25. It's actually Light's first studio album to not break the top 10 or enter the Billboard 200. So you're saying you picked her worst one? Well... I guess apparently according to the charts, that's the case. But but listen, <laughs> nevertheless, it got 
got a really solid score from critics. A lot of praise from critics out there. All music rated at 4.5 stars. It's not as bad as the chart positioning would make it sound. Think of all the cool stuff that came out in April. Are you thinking of it? Uh, Like what? I don't think there's a single cool thing that came out in April. You came out in April. Yeah, I'm not cool though, so... (laughs) Miley Cyrus released an album on April 1st, the same day as Pep. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, see? I know. Of Monsters and Men dropped an album. The Red Hot Chili Peppers put out Unlimited Love. Thomas Rhett dropped an album. Nate Wants to Battle. Soldier Boy. Camila Cabello dropped an album. Cody Simpson. Cole Swindell. And we're just in the seas. Wiz Khalifa. I'm just saying, she had a lot to compete with in the early days of April. So that might have something to do with why it didn't chart. I see. Yeah. Despite this album not charting, though. I mean, to this point in her career, Lights has had really solid success in filling the trophy case. Because in addition to that 2009 New Artist of the Year Juno Award, she's earned two more Juno Awards for Pop Album of the Year for Little Machines and for Skin and Earth a 2018 Artist of the Year, and a 2020 Dance Recording of the Year for the song Love Me. And her other two prior studio albums earned nominations for Pop Album of the Year. And I also, I don't think we've ever mentioned it in all these 74 episodes, but the Juno Awards are basically kind of like Canada's Grammys, just for the record. I see. I actually did know that one. (laughs) I'm sure. Well, just for the audience that may not have known. But yes, uh, she's got a lot of Canadian Grammy nominations, a lot of Juno Awards. She's also won two Canadian Independent Music Awards for favorite solo artist and favorite single, and a lot more than that, too. Uh, Pep itself hasn't picked up any hardware yet, but, you know, it's still a fairly new release, less than a year old, so there's still plenty of time. But uh, yeah, before we move into Factor Spin, I want to check in with you. Uh, what's that nugget counter at? Oh, um, hang on, let me count. Oh, you're counting. Oh, you're subtracting. I thought you were just keeping track of how many you've eaten. No, that would be way too hard. You're just going to keep track of how many of the 50 are left. You don't want to know the answer. I do. 29. 29, almost halfway there. 29 left, 29 left. Okay, thank goodness. Yeah, that's a big difference. Not by much, sadly. Did you get anything but chicken nuggets? Uh, A large cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper. No lime in it this time. Oh, this is for the regular episode here. I spared you so much strife in the last episode. <laughs> he listed all the ingredients of Dr. Pepper. I mean, we had like a four and a half minute conversation about Dr. Pepper that you don't have to hear. Go check out the blooper reel. Unless you check out the blooper reel. On our website, www.spinitpod.com. It comes out every 10 episodes, so you'll still have to wait a couple weeks. Yeah, but eventually. Yes. Anyway, I spared you all that. Well, you keep scarfing down nugs. Yeah. And the mixtaper will come and do factor spins, so you'll have plenty of uninterrupted time while he's doing that. All right. Hey, it's me, the mixtaper. Hello, once again, welcome back to the show. How's our favorite dastard? Wishing he had 50 nugs. Oh, you didn't get any? No. Connor brought back 50 nugs. Called it a family pack and then didn't give any to his family. I guess not. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. So I see where I stand. This is my family pack of nuggets. <laughs> it's all right. I'm used to it. I'm used to, you know, my family. They never even saw their faces. No. At least I've seen his face, you know, so progress. Yeah. Yeah, that is progress. Unless his face is really a mask. I've never checked. Let's not check. Whether it is or is not a mask, that will disrupt life at home. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what else disrupted life at home? Uh, 
you doing research for this factor spin round. I just thought that would be a really fun segue into our first fact, but it doesn't really relate to any of them. <laughs> oh, well, that's a shame. So what's our first fact? Let's start with this one. She owns a prop from her favorite movie. Ooh, not our first movie prop owners. Yeah. First one was probably the electric device from Frankenstein that... Kiss. Kiss toured with it. Okay, so let's talk favorite movies. Yeah. What's Light's favorite movie? The 1971 classic starring Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka, and The Chocolate Factory. Oh, that's one I haven't seen. I don't know what many of those props. That's also an interesting favorite movie. Why? Is that like, I don't know, the humor? Is there nostalgia behind it? What makes this her favorite movie? Uh, she likes how colorful and vibrant it is and uh, the good-natured, cheerful attitude Willy Wonka has. Okay, all right, I can get behind that. What is the prop that she owns? Don't tell me that she has a golden ticket. No, it's not a golden ticket. Okay, you paused for so long, I was going to say, okay, well, if it is a golden ticket, you can tell me. Sorry. Is it, I don't know any of the other props in the movie. I can't believe you haven't seen it. I know, but I haven't. Uh, Maybe I've seen parts of it. I've seen the girl get blown up into a big blueberry, Mm. but that's about all I can remember. I know everybody hates the grandpa. And have you seen Willy Wonka in Chocolate Factory or Charlie in the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp? I haven't seen the Johnny Depp one either. Okay. Uh, The prop is Willy Wonka's walking stick. Oh, wow. That feels significant. Is it like one of a kind? Is it the only one that he used in the entire like filming process? Or were there several like duplicate props? No, it was the only one. Whoa. He used it uh, more as an accessory. I see. And in fact, a little deep dive into the into the cane itself. Um, He only really had it. Uh, like The idea is he would walk around with it. But the only way Gene Wilder would do it is if he got to do a fun stunt the first time you saw him with it. Oh, interesting. What was the stunt? When he comes out of the chocolate factory, he comes out kind of hobbling with the cane, kind of hunched over. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the crowd gets deathly quiet, realizing he doesn't, like, he's not getting around too well. And people assume that's why, you know, the chocolate factory hasn't been running or whatever and so he kind of hobbles out there and then all of a sudden the cane kind of goes into a little slot in the cobblestone and disappears but he keeps on going and it, it, the cane just kind of standing there straight up by itself and he keeps on hobbling and then he looks around and realizes he doesn't have his cane and falls forward like he's gonna hit the ground but before he hits the ground he ends up doing a beautiful somersault and stands back up and kind of gets a round of applause like it's a silly little stunt interesting yeah and then he kind of twirls the cane around and walks around with it the rest of the film sure I imagine he points at things with it. Yeah. Oh, this is where we make the chocolate and such. And how did she go about getting this? Bought it in an auction. That's the classic story. And that's a good one for you to use because that could be so true or so fake. It's the easiest way to get it. Movie props typically go for auction. It's true. I hesitate to ask, but you know I have to know. How much did she pay for it? Well, you know what we're about to do. Yeah, I do. Everybody's favorite, uh, second favorite Spin a Game show. Guess that dollar amount. I hate it. Um, And it's not signed or anything, but it is an official movie prop. Yeah. Oh, $3,500. Higher. Higher than that. Uh, 6000 Ooh. You know what? I'm going to say that's close enough. Oh. That, that's pretty close. 5800 You were within 200 Okay. Wow, I'll take that on a second guess. Yeah. That's a lot of money for a cane. Is it? Is it displayed somewhere fancy? 
I'm sure it's not just in a box collecting dust, but like... Yeah, I, I don't know. I assume she has a display probably in her home or something. Wow. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I... Oh, I think I'm going to say this one's a spin. Going with spin. Yeah, I, I think our last movie prop... I mean, well, movie prop was true, but then we had a, a fact about drumsticks that was the spin that were bought at an auction. I don't know. I'm just not... I'm not feeling it. I think maybe she does really like the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I could see that being a thing. But the cane is... I'm just not buying it. Well, neither is she, because this is a spin. Hey, there we go. All right, strong start this week. Finally. Boy, I'm overdue for a good week. <laughs> yeah. I've had two, two, three lost weeks. It's because I started spinning again. You know, when I was telling all the facts, you were getting them wrong. Mm, that could be part of it. I don't know. I think I just expect you to lie more. So yeah, uh, everything made up. Not our favorite movie as far as I'm aware. I mean, if it is, uh, lights, let us know. I'll, st- I'll stand corrected on that one. But my second one for you. Let's see if I can step things up here. <clears throat> she performed a concert for animals on the largest Sony TV in the world. What on earth? <laughs> Okay, so a concert for animals. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Maybe she's playing at a zoo somewhere. How big is the largest Sony TV in the world, and why are you being that specific? How big? Because it's not the largest TV in the world, so I kind of have to get more specific. Well, so I'm curious about that then. Like, how big is the largest Sony TV? I actually don't know. I don't know how big it is. (laughs) I'm sorry. And I also don't know that it's the largest to this day. It just was at the time. This here says that the world's biggest TV is a custom-made $1.6 million 370-inch TV. That's pretty big. Why stage a lights concert for animals? What's the background for this event? So this was back during her days working with Sony slash ATV. Oh, when she was with Sony ATV. Yes. Sony ATV and Sony a TV are two totally different things. (laughs) (laughs) Totally different things. I don't think they're very related. That's funny. And it was at Toronto's Rogers Center, which is where, at the time, the largest Sony big screen TV could be found. Okay, so what are all these animals, then, doing in an arena? It was a, I don't want to call it an adoption event, because it wasn't really an adoption. Think the puppy bowl. You know how it's like, here's a bunch of puppies that are in an area, and oh. you can adopt them. But but that, she's like performing a concert. She's the event, right? Uh, here's a concert that's, that is happening, and there also happens to be dogs you can adopt. Okay, it's like, yeah, promoting pet adoption. They had like this whole little section of like the floor space, right, in the arena that was like a big play area, and the dogs were all running around. Darn you, this sounds viable. I wonder how many people had too much to drink for the concert, and then <laughs> ended up with a dog. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be. Oh, this is so believable. It feels like just a coincidence that it's on the largest Sony TV. Oh, it absolutely is. I found this information, supposedly, about the Animal Benefit concert. And then while researching that, I stumbled across the state of the arena it was in that promoted it had the largest Sony TV. I honestly believe this. Well, that's I think this oh. one suddenly i believe it less no, I, was, I was about to say well that's good and then you start talking so go ahead and i know you were about to say well that's good is it good for you because it's true or is it good for you because <laughs> it's just good that i was right and they got puppies from this i'm gonna stick to my integrity okay and i'm gonna keep saying that this is a fact yeah well i'm glad you're full of integrity and you should be too because integrity is important but unfortunately this is a spin <laughs> 
man. I almost changed when I heard you say it, and I knew I should have just backtracked right there. Yeah, yep. This is a spin. Well, you made up a really convincing fake event. Thank you. Well, let's keep ramping. What's number three? Number three is She is Santa. Listen, Spencer Wonderland's not starting for another week or so. No, we're getting a little preview on Spencer Wonderland. She is Santa? Santa, yep. Okay, there's a lot of directions this could take. Which particular direction is this? Does she dress up as Santa and perform as Santa in like a mall Santa capacity? <laughs> I don't know. Does she give people gifts? No, neither. Neither. Well, those seem like <laughs> two pretty easy ways to be Santa. Yeah, this one is about returning letters to children who write to Santa. Oh, that's cute. But is it true? Kids write to Santa through what? Like uh, some specific service that she Mm -hmm. volunteers for or is a part of. She gets them. She writes them a little letter back. The end. That's where this fact is. How long has she been doing this? Like how many letters does she think she's written? I don't know. So the way it works is uh, you can write a letter in any language and send it to the North Pole by sending it to area code H-O-H-O-H-O. Oh, that spells ho, ho, ho. It sure does. And that's H-O-H-O-H-O Canada specifically, the area code in Canada. Right. Ho. Ho, 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 Canada. Yep, yep. And you will receive a letter back from Santa. That's really cool. Yeah, they have this service there that, you know, any Santa letters that come in to that postal code office, they get distributed to different people who volunteer to write the letters back. That's a great idea. And so, in my yeah. mind, anyone who has written a letter back to a kid is Santa. Right, yeah, that, sure, makes sense. <laughs> so, has she gotten any particular letters with, like, outrageous asks of Santa? Like, I want a pony, or... I don't know. Like, how do you deal with stuff like that? If I was her, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. You can have a pony because it doesn't do anything to me. (laughs) Yeah, that only makes the parents on the hook. You give them a reality check by saying only good little boys and girls get a pony. So as long as you're a good Uh, little boy or girl, you get a pony and then they don't get the pony. And then they think they were so bad. Yeah. It's honestly really helpful when you do that for the parents. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. They don't understand just how uh, beneficial that is to them. (laughs) Oh, there's not a lot to go on here. I don't have much to tie this back to lights specifically no and we are suspiciously close to spinter wonderland i'm aware which i mean is a reason that maybe she would talk about this around now or a reason you would include it in this episode or search for it in particular but i think i'm gonna say this one's a spin going with spin lights is not santa northern lights as they call her (laughs) well That's good. For you or for me. (laughs) Because this is a spin. (laughs) Send that to Ho 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 Canada. The North Pole Ho 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 Santa letter service does exist. It's a real thing. You can send it there. She just isn't involved. Hey, that's delightful because it's delight. She's not there. Oh, I see. Yeah, but it's delightful because it's nice. Well, my last one's a little naughty. Uh Uh-oh. She broke Canadian law. Which Canadian law or laws did she break? Just one. And which law was that? The law that it is a crime for comic books to depict crime. Oh, we've talked about this. We talked about on our Janis Joplin episode, the guy that wrote underground comics to get around the comic books depicting adult things. There were like specific people that did that. He did the album art. Oh, right. Yeah, according to the Canadian Criminal Code, section 163, 1B, it is a crime to possess 
print, publish, or sell a crime comic. And a crime comic is any comic book that depicts a criminal action taking place. Wow. So that eliminates a lot. I mean, pretty much every comic ever. (laughs) Yeah. One of the biggest comic book genres are superhero comics. And I mean, what's a superhero without villains? Even, I mean, Spider-Man has petty criminals and yeah. Oh, so what's the penalty for doing this? She obviously possesses, released, and sold copies of the comic what crime does it depict and how severe are the ramifications it's pretty much a dead law so it still exists in the criminal code but i mean no uh, no one really enforces it though it was apparently there have been charges levied under the law in last time in 1987 not that long ago the law's been around since 1948 when two boys playing as highway bandits shot and killed a man and they found out that the two boys had a love of comic books and therefore this was their way of being like oh our youth are being corrupted by comic books to shoot people gotta ban them gotta ban them let's talk about that so you said 1987 is when this stopped well that was the last time that any charges were brought up against somebody for them and even then the charges were later changed to the distribution of sexually explicit material that's very interesting because that's the year lights was born oh really (laughs) yeah i don't it's suspicious okay yeah it's a suspicious coincidence sure so how'd she find out that she had done this did she know she was about to break the law when she put it out and was like well no one will enforce it i don't know if she knows oh you don't know if she knows even now no i only know because again you'll remember i googled weird things about canada yeah this was one of the ones i found and then in your rundown you talked about how she released a comic book series along with that album uh and so i went and did some research on the comic book and found out it does indeed depict a crime therefore making it illegal wow so I'm going to say this one is probably a, a fact that seems to make sense to me. Lights, if you're listening and this is a fact, we're sorry you had to find out this way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it appears that you may have broken the law. <laughs> wow, the Spinet Mystery Department is out here uncovering crimes. Yeah, they are. Maybe, maybe. I don't know if this is a fact or not, but if it is, wow, good job. The Spinet Mystery Department's job is not done because for the first time in Factor Spin history, I don't don't know if this is a factor spin what what <laughs> what i couldn't actually find any like synopsis or like a, a plot outline of what happened in the comics i don't know if a lot if a crime was committed in the comics or not wow i can't figure it out oh no i actually originally had this done as a spin because i just completely made up the fact of her breaking this law i was gonna say that she wrote a wonder woman comic because she has a wonder woman tattoo that she did like a fan comic book around Wonder Woman. That was going to be why she broke the law. And then when you read the rundown to Connor and you mentioned the comic, I was like, oh, this. And so I spent the entire time you were explaining everything about. I told Connor to stall. That's why he kept interrupting. That's why he kept eating chicken nuggets. Yeah. He was trying to stall so I could try my hardest to find out if any crimes were committed in that comic book to know if this was a factor or a spin or not so i don't know this is incredible (laughs) i need the spin it mystery department to figure out if a canadian law was broken (laughs) what do we what do we do (laughs) i think we leave it up to the mystery department hopefully they'll get to back to us
I think we just leave this one as a as a draw right now, and if we find out that there's crime in the comic book, then I'll get the point. I would argue innocent until proven guilty, and so I would say this is still a spin until proven otherwise. You know, the legal system says innocent until proven guilty. But I think this is the first oh. time I might have to actually change a verdict on one if they can find that a law was broke or that a crime was depicted in the comics. It's the first chance we actually have of a change in factor spin status. What? What a way to end the episode. Unsure of whether a crime has been committed? This is the biggest cliffhanger we've ever had. Da, da, da. Uh, I told you I had a good final ramp for this one. Wow. Well, if anyone out there has any information, anyone out there has an anonymous tip, you can please report it to thespinitpodcast at gmail.com. Reach out on our socials. We are offering a five-point reward for anyone who could tell us whether this is true or not. Oh, wow. Somebody else gets on the board other than the mixtaper and you and Connor? You'll get five factor spin points. Nice. You can prove this one way or the other. And that's all I've got for this week. Amazing. What a way to end. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> well, thanks for another great week. We'll see you next week when you will go head-to-head with Connor once yes. again for a special Spinter Wonderland edition of Factor Spin. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. But let's get Connor on out. Yeah, let's get Connor back in with another official nug count. Yeah! Welcome back, Connor. Uh, care to update us on your nugs? Yeah, I'll give you a nug date. Mm, I hate it. Uh, let's play our newest spinning game show. Guess that nug amount. <laughs> Last time we were at 29. This time, I think you're down to 18 nugs remaining. Wow. I think I ate another 11. That may be a little ambitious. What if I told you you weren't ambitious enough? I wouldn't be surprised. I am down to my last 14 nugs. <laughs> okay, 36 nuggets deep. Sure am. Did you get any dipping sauce? Oh, yeah, I got barbecue. How much barbecue sauce did they give you for 50 nuggets? Is that like 10? 9, 10. You nailed it. You, we should have played the game, uh, guess that, barbecue packet amount. <laughs> well, I'm pretty good at that one. Undefeated so far. <laughs> oh, good job, I guess. Anyways. That's a, that's our nug date. Yeah, we'll we'll check back in later for more. A little. This is the definition of nugget of teas. Yeah, nugget of teas. <laughs> a little nugget of teas. It's been a while. <laughs> we need like the um the like sports center like bum 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we have a nug date, nug 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 nug. <laughs> now I can clip that and put it in. Oh no. Let's talk about the album cover on Pep. I like this one. Let's do it. Okay. Sorry, I got a little excited there. Yeah. It's all the nugs talking. This is one of the cooler album covers I think that we've talked about in some ways. First of all, love the color scheme. Primary colors, a lot of red, yellow, blue. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But one of the other unique features of this album cover is on the left-hand side, each track is represented by a little symbol. Yep. Which is cool. Or a series of symbols. Yeah, it's so cool. Like one of those um, guessing games where it's like they give you, it's like hole in one, it's just a number one with a hole in it. And you have to like, there's a name for those. I don't remember what the name of that kind of puzzle is, but that's that's what it is. Yeah. Like the beside myself one is just two of her. (laughs) Right. I think that's my favorite one. I was going to ask what your favorite one was. I, I like them all. I think it's really clever. And I think it's just a nice little way to sum up what each of these songs kind of is all about. Okay, okay. It's pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. And the rest of the cover, of course, features lights, pop in her collar, plugged into a bunch of tubes. Yeah, and another little version of that over in the upper right as well. Yeah, like a schematic. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And then like a skull with a bunch of wires in it hanging down from a barcode. This album cover kind of reminds me of the song Sparky. Yeah. Yep. This epitomizes that. 
But let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, yes, we shall. Are you dropping the catchphrase thing still? I was getting there. Oh. I wanted to respond to your shall we real fast, and I was going to say, yeah, we shall. Let's spin it. Sorry. Uh, I'll just cut that so it's better. Or we can just cut the whole shall we thing. I did forget my catchphrase, but I wasn't going to admit that to you. (laughs) No, now it's all staying in. Dang it. Let's spin it. Yeah. First up is the track Beside Myself, one of the coolest logos like you mentioned. Beside Myself was the first song she put out for the album, and it was actually at that time her first new solo music in about two years. Nice. Yeah, I think that's a good way to come back. Since the comic book scandal. Since it it wasn't really a scandal until today, but yeah. She says that the song is somewhere in between happy and sad, and I think that's a great way to open an album that oscillates between those two emotions so seamlessly. A lot of these songs jump back and forth between happy and sad, and this song that kind of hovers in the middle is a great way to prime us to feel both of those things. I really liked the start of the album. It wasn't really what I expected, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, this soft, very soft, like sunsetty or sunrise kind of mood to it. Yeah, it's exactly like she described it. Like very ethereal. Absolutely ethereal. That wide open synth does wonders for it. Yep. And so like, you know, the phrase to be beside oneself is to kind of be upset or distraught. And this song twists that metaphorical way to be in a physical direction as she sings these songs about ghosts in another life and people passing out of her life leaving her alone and in places where she's formerly had others beside her she's now alone beside herself yeah it's a really really great angle for this like well-known phrase i love the third verse too uh she says hold me like it's the last time like you remember the first time i know we're trying tell me it's okay to not be all right and i think that's the perfect illustration of this in-betweenness you know we're happy in the last moment remembering all our best moments but we're sad because the end is close at hand and we can sense that on the horizon yeah I like that part of the song, too, because right before verse three is where the pop influence kind of comes in. The rest of the instrumentals come in and it gets more of that pop sound. But yet she still keeps the ethereal, melodic singing. It keeps the song from getting boring, right? If it had stayed at that kind of level, right? If it hadn't risen to the intensity to where it goes in verse three, the song would have gotten boring before it was over. It would have gotten played out. So this it was a great, natural um, progression of the song. Yeah, it really is. And and then from that progression, I mean, we ramp it up one more time into that sonic shift into the bridge. Yeah. I think that's just like chef's kiss perfect. That first chorus you get with the don't leave me hanging. It's very, like I said, ethereal, very laid back, very stripped back. But then because of the all the instrumentals that come in in verse three, when you hit it again, it's got this whole different um, sound to it. And so it's a great way to keep the chorus engaging and change it up a little bit, but yet not have to change the words, which is typically the way that I've talked about in the past is a fun thing I like to see. This is kind of the opposite. Kept the words, but changed up the instrumentals. Mm, I hope that's the thing you continue to like, because there are other spots where the words are noticeably not changed up. Well, yeah, that's standard chorus, right? Is that they don't change. Mm-hmm. But. but that's beside myself. I think it's a great start to the album. And then they bring, she brings it right back down at the end of the song. Mm-hmm. kind of full circle yeah, yeah it's a nice full circle the next track is in my head and it features josh dunn drummer for 21 pilots oh yeah and like i mentioned earlier it's not the first nor the only time these two have worked together so that's a, a cool bit of collaborative knowledge and here's another cool thing that she did right we talked a little bit about the primary color scheme of the album cover and just the general promotional stuff for this album red yellow and blue she structured a lot of the album's music videos around that same color scheme so prodigal daughter uses a lot of red salt and vinegar was yellow 
the real thing was blue, and she wanted in my head to wrap all of those together. So it kind of featured all three colors. I see. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like the chorus for this one as well. Oh, yeah, I do too. I like the cadence of it. It's got kind of that rocky. It takes me back to Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus, that more pop mm-hmm. rock kind of cadence and feel to it. It definitely does. And that's the kind of thing, like she mentioned, that's a, a little bit of new territory for her mm-hmm. as she's signed to Fueled by Ramen. She's kind of pushing into that more. Yeah, I like it. I like it, but I don't think it's what she does best yet. I wasn't turned off by the da 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 da's. I liked them. Call me a da 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 fan. Wow. That's a surprise for you. Yeah. It's not ever used. Yeah. It's just a nice little kind of bumper to the uh, to the chorus to keep it separated from verse two. Yeah, it's a good transition piece. According to Lights, she said, In my head is about tuning out the chaos and the thousand voices telling us how to feel and act and look and just keep doing things your way. So the whole song is built around this metaphor, this concept of having a drum in your head, marching to the beat of your own drum. And I think it's really cool to turn your thoughts into something so tangible and understandable. Everybody understands dancing to the beat of a drum. Yeah. So conceptually, I like it. But that said, though, I do think Beside Myself like is a great intro for the album. And mm-hmm. I think In My Head leads us a little too far down the wrong track for what the rest of the album is about to be like. <sighs> it feels a little different than the rest of the album. I don't know. As much as it thematically fits, I just I kind of got the sense that it, it felt a little different. Hmm. I guess I viewed it as those two tracks together kind of give you the upper and lower bounds for the album. Hmm. It's it's like Beside Myself is the more stripped back um ballad style side of the album and in my head like it's more into that kind of punk rock the the more heavier side of the punk genre and then the rest of the album falls somewhere on that spectrum song by song you might be right i don't know do you think it lessens the impact to hit the highs and the lows that early oh i don't know i think it sets expectations fair enough it's good to define the parameters you can make an argument for splitting them uh making them the start and the end of the album you know like get progressively get closer and closer to one style or the other over the course of it you know there's a couple different ways you could play it but i don't think it was different enough that it was like jarring or felt out of place necessarily that might be true i think you could have you said they pushed it too far in the wrong direction direction i think they went right to the edge but they didn't tumble off the cliff yeah maybe what you said makes sense there maybe i feel like this is supposed to be more of a back half track than number two yeah maybe although i don't think it's still a better second track than olivia rodrigo's traitor so it's still got that going for it yeah let's talk about prodigal daughter yeah i think this is where we really kind of click into that level that we'll be at for the rest of the record. To talk about the first two tracks kind of going to the album's extremes, I think Prodigal Daughter shoots straight down the middle, and this is kind of what you can expect for the rest of the time. Yeah. Light says, Musically, the song is dynamic and wild, beautifully gentle at times and aggressive at others, representing the journey. She said, Ultimately, this is a banger about finding yourself. And I agree, kind of. And it's funny, too, going back to what you were just saying about you know the different styles of the album. We really, right, Beside Myself really has more of that kind of soft pop to it. Mm-hmm. With the synthesizer and everything, really giving that kind of soft pop vibe. Then you got In My Head, which I already said was kind of more of that punk rock, you know, Miley Cyrus, Plastic Hearts vibe. And then Prodigal Daughter with the chorus, instrumentals, the that's going on. I got kind of like some yeah. disco pop going on. This is not <laughs> pop with a bite. It's It definitely stings a little bit in a good way. I like it. Yeah, like specifically the instrumentals and around surrounding the chorus gave me like you could be like rollerblading to this song vibes which is why i went disco pop 
<laughs> you could rollerblade to prodigal daughter. Yeah, and that makes sense because you'll come back around the rink. I honestly, for me, I like the verses better. I agree. I, I, I'm going to be weird here. I like, I really like the verses. And typically, of course, it's just, you know, baby, I'm back repeated four times. Is not my thing? No. I thought it was fun. Again, I think the instrumentals really carry that chorus. And they serve as a nice break between verses. I think it does exactly what it needs to do to, you know, you're you're in this mood that the verses set you in kind of with more of that bite to it. And then it kind of triumphantly goes, baby, I'm back. And then sets you right back into the verse. And then it, I think it keeps your brain working the entire song. It really does. Yeah. And I like that. I like that it engages you in such a meaningful way. Again, she so far has done a really good job of making her songs do different things, but yet still making them a cohesive unit right because like prodigal daughter with the difference between the chorus and the verse those are two very different um styles but they naturally go together the way she presents and the way she writes it yeah you don't hit the chorus and go oh this is abrupt this is a change in direction it just naturally flows into it and then afterwards you're like huh that was a fun back and forth yeah it's kind of the perfect game set match where the verses and the choruses match the entire vibe of the song matches and then the entire vibe of the album also matches yeah Nothing is identical, but everything is similar enough. Yep. It's it's really well executed. Indeed. The title and the main idea behind the song, it's an alteration of the biblical parable about the prodigal son, who's a guy who leaves his home and like loses everything, only to return home and figure out who he really wants to be. So this song is that story, leaving everything behind to kind of get to the base of yourself and figure out what you're really meant to be. Yeah. And I think that parallel kind of works itself into the song in these subtle little ways, right? Cleanse me with fire, cover me with holy water. Uh, You don't go looking for the truth until you've heard the devil talking, which, I mean, that's a certified poetry line. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We go on that journey. We shake things up, crash the algorithm. Boom, baby, I'm back with a new perspective and understanding of exactly who I am and what I'm about. I love it. You know what else I love? As a matter of fact. Chips. I, I do, yeah. And I actually like salt and vinegar chips, which, you know, the next track on the album is salt and vinegar. Where do you stand on the sometimes controversial salt and vinegar? Uh, like as a chip? Yeah, as a flavor. Oh, I love salt and vinegar chips. I do too. They're that perfect level of like burn your mouth off. Salty and vinegary. <laughs> yeah, the perfect blend of salt in a way that no other combination is. Yep. Salty and vinegary like nothing else. Love a good salt and vinegar chip. Yeah. They're in the same category of chip as like a Dorito in the sense that I don't need like something to dip it in. Oh. Like, you know, you got your chips that you like dip in salsa or you dip in like a sour cream or the French onion dip. There's a lot of chips out there that you dip in different things. But, or you could dip. Yeah. Or you could dip. You don't have to, but it's better dipped in my opinion. But salt and vinegar, you, you eat them raw. Well, you, you eat them cooked, but without condiments is what you're... Yep. Well, apparently Lights does not necessarily like salt and vinegar. Well, they don't like her. Fair enough. <laughs> she makes this comparison in the song where these two people are kind of like a bad influence on each other. She says, you and me make a dangerous mixture. We go together like salt and vinegar, which I think is meant to imply that they go together in an abrasive way, but not in a way that's not meant to be together. Yeah, no, I agree. I think think she's just pointing out the same thing you said, where salt and vinegar chips have that perfect balance of burn your mouth off, right? Like together, they're very like, they leave your mouth raw, right? Yeah. They They have a big bite to them, but it doesn't mean it's not good. Or that they don't right. work. It just means that, you know, other people are going to get hurt by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I love how the verse kind of punches right out of the gate. I like it doesn't mess around. And I love the contrast between the bass and the guitar. It kind of 
pushes that salt and vinegar mentality of things that kind of work together but are very different because that guitar just kind of punches in over top of the bass and the drums especially they they kind of fight each other a little bit and in that first verse we get the title of the album nothing like a pep talk to yourself it works every time to be honest i kind of think this whole album feels like a pep talk to herself i agree oh i also wanted to get your opinion on the potentially buffoonish line okay I'm a talker, you're not a listener, you hold back, and I just keep giving her. How does that work for you? Because <laughs> to me, that feels like a bit of a stretch rhyme to get to vinegar. Oh! Give it, giving her, especially. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'll give you, so listener, simpler, vinegar, all fine. Giving her is the rough one, but the problem is I can say probably almost guaranteed I've used the word given her myself. So I don't, I think, I don't think I'm allowed to call it buffoonish without being a hypocrite. Oh, I see. Really giving her some gas or whatever, you know? Like, yeah, fair enough. I've heard the term given her used. So, okay. So not buffoonish, but iffy. Yeah, it's iffy. Yeah. So I know we didn't come with conclusive evidence on whether Lights has committed a crime. Well, we did. And then it was my world was shattered or the mixtapers world was shattered that is yeah well but the next song kind of implies that crimes have been committed that's true it's money in the bag featuring kisa now if this song was a comic book definitely against canadian law <laughs> if this song yeah if this was in the comic book we may have our our uh answer yeah Money in the Bag is so high energy. Really, really fun song. I thought, anyway, I've always really enjoyed Money in the Bag, particularly from this album. Yeah, I liked it too. I also love that she gets to show off her range a little bit. Love that. This is kind of a vocal showcase. Yeah, I like uh, how high pitched she goes with the man. Yeah, it's great. Lyrically, I think this one's a lot of repetition. But honestly, I don't mind it because it's I get so lost in it. The instrumentals, again, do a lot of the heavy lifting, I think, of just keeping your head kind of bobbing the whole track. Yeah, that guitar uh, hooks you quick and keeps you pretty thoroughly. And, I mean, that's mostly just the choruses that are repetitive. Outside the chorus, you can find a few gems. Hey. <laughs> That'll be a okay. blooper. Yeah, not that one. That's not one of the gems. She says, I want you to give me love. Don't want to loan that. Own that. Get them up now. And also, I loved rubber scars on the pavement. Let the ghetto birds hunt. And it implies she's stealing the love. Yeah, she's taking it by force. You know, put the money in the bag. Put the love in the bag. Know your worth. It's mine now. I'm taking it. I like money in the bag a lot. It's not like a masterpiece, but boy, is it fun. Yeah, it's fun. That's a good that's a good term for it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're just riding high through the middle of this album. I'll tell you, I also really love Jaws. OK, I have a question. It started and reminded me of a completely different song and I can't put my finger on it with that fat synth hook. I love that. Yeah, it sounds so familiar to something else. I just don't know what it is. I'll be honest, I don't either. But I can see why that'd be a very, like, commonly familiar thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it was just so familiar. Like, the song started, I was like, is this a cover? And then I was like, no, that's whatever this is, it's not what I was thinking. It's of. not a cover. Yeah. I love it. And and we start with just with that synth sound. And then as the song progresses, we build more of a soundscape over top of that foundation. It's nice. And as the song progresses, we kind of build more of a soundscape over top of that synth foundation. I think this song has a really great sense of progression and growth as we go along from like an instrumental standpoint. And Jaws has a great rhythm to the lyrics like we don't see in a lot of other places. Just, I don't know, the way that those verses are structured is so nice. 
and we get snaps. When was the last time we listened to a song with snaps? That's a good question. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Lyrically, this song is cool, too. She kind of talks about herself as a girl with jaws, right? The chorus kind of says it all. She doesn't take any crap, and she'll bite back if she has to. And so it's kind of got this laid-back, chill kind of vibe to it, even though it describes this external chaos in the world around her. Like, she's keeping her cool because she knows she's got it. You know, she can handle whatever gets thrown at her. Yep. Some of the lines are really cool, too. Uh, The world is collapsing. You're losing control. I'll be keeping tea hot digging your pit. They say the future comes once. And baby, this is it. First of all, there's some cool stuff in there. Uh, You know, digging your pit, like digging your grave and keeping the tea hot. Uh, There's a lot there. But also, does anyone actually say the future comes once? I thought that was just kind of a thing we all understood. I think it's just something we all understood. Well, they say it comes once and baby, that's it. Yeah. Though I guess you could make the argue the future repeatedly comes. Constantly, yeah. And then if you got the multiverse out there, the future comes a million different times, a different million different ways. That's way too complex for what this song is trying to get at. Yeah, listen, she's got jaws and she's got claws. And her guns are out, boots up, no bras. Yeah. And she says, don't trust nobody, baby, we're outlaws. Which kind of calls back to money in the bag, which is what I wrote in my notes. But now it ties back to the comic book <laughs> laws. She maybe is an outlaw. She's just breaking Canadian law all over this album. <laughs> Who knew? Now, before we move on to Rent, I mean, we're kind of at the halfway point of the album. So I guess I should probably do you the favor of letting you talk about chicken nuggets again. Nug, 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 nug. We got a nug date. Yeah, what's the what's the sitch? Well, we're playing our newest spin a game show. Guess that nug amount. Are you down to the final ten? We are down to our final ten nugs. Wow, that's like a normal amount of nuggets. And I think I'm gonna call them out as I eat them. Don't call them out as you eat your last ten nuggets. Uh, you might just be in the middle of talking. You'll hear me go nine, and that's how it means I have nine left. And we'll count down. We'll have a nug. We'll have a nug countdown throughout the second half of this it's album. Like Happy New Year. Let's talk about track seven, Rent. And no, I'm not talking about the five. 525,600 minutes musical. This is a different song altogether. 525,600 minutes. Yeah, that's not oh, it. Oh, 525,600 spin it. Whoa! <laughs> we gotta do that album for that episode. For episode 525,600? Yep. Deal. So there's this phrase that's come up in the last few years. Uh, Maybe you've heard of it. You know, you live in someone's head rent-free. Yeah. Like they're on your mind so much they should pay you to be there. Yeah. Uh, But they don't rent-free. And this song kind of twists that around a little bit. And it says, you couldn't afford to stay on my mind even if you tried which i think is a kind of a clever twist you know she keeps a checklist of offenses and puts up fences to push away all these people who don't deserve to take up any kind of space in her life i like the song it takes me back more again kind of talking about the bounds of the album this one fits on the scale closer to besides myself yeah actually i kind of thought a similar thing where it's a softer song and i think this is a nice breather song in between money and then jaws and before we get to sparky I like Rent in the middle. It's kind of in that sweet spot. Yep. Uh, The other thing I thought about this too, let me know if you share my sentiments. You can't afford what the rent is. Feels like a little bit of tough fit to make expenses rhyme. The syntax of that is a little off. Yeah, that one's a little more buffoonish. I feel like in normal conversation, I would just say you can't afford the rent. You can't afford to pay the rent. I don't know what the rent is. Feels like we're missing some information because she doesn't ever tell us what the rent is. She just can't afford it. She just tells us we can't afford it. It kind of poses that question that we never get closure to. But overall, I like Rent. Yeah, I like the song too. You know, I'm the bad guy. I'm going to like this song. It's a given. Right, naturally. It's never been a single ballad I didn't like. 
Never a single one. You definitely don't have any audiographic proof stating otherwise. No evidence to the contrary. Yep. Well, let's talk about uh, definitely not the ballad track, Sparky. It was electrifying. It was electrifying. I know. Arc Flash is a real deal, kids. Uh, it's dangerous. Yeah, that's a PSA. PSA. Dangerous. Anyway, this is another very peppy, uh, pun very much intended, cinematic kind of a song. Sparky has a lot of big ambition. You know, it, it starts reserved and softer, which I think is a great way to bring us out of Rent. And then the pre-chorus scales it way, 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 way back until we kind of explode into the chorus. Yeah. Which I love. You know, she says in the chorus, we're going to start a fire, which it kind of feels like the chorus is leading us in that direction. It's We're coming in hot. It's the energy there. It's nice. The whole song is kind of this warning about how she's uncontrollable, how she'll go off without a warning, and it's going to be sparky, electrified, and dangerous. Shocking, as it were. Indeed. Now, what did you think of the next track, Real Thing? Mm. Yeah, I didn't have much to say about sparky necessarily. Yeah, that's why I moved on. (laughs) It's not one of those tracks that it deserves for me to say, eh, it's kind of just there, because it's not. It definitely makes its impression on you. But there's just not really anything to say. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting middle ground track. But uh, Real Thing, up next, um, is a different kind of song. It has the thematic nature of beside myself and you know it kind of follows that softer song blueprint but it's not like a darker soft song it's a really light pleasant floaty song yeah it's different and the sound of it kind of overshadows what the themes of it are lyrically the song kind of challenges the traditional concept of finding the one for you she says i don't think it actually exists but we're sold this idea that we need to find one person and lock them in forever she says we're always looking for the real thing but it's not always real And so the chorus kind of poses that question directly. Is the real thing even a real thing? And so what I kind of got the impression of is that while the lyrics are questioning everything about finding the one, the song kind of sounds like the way it feels to be in love. The song kind of sonically feels like what it would be like to find the real thing with somebody, while the lyrics are simultaneously telling us that that doesn't exist, or doesn't necessarily exist. It's interesting, because I saw the Spotify plays for this song, second highest on the album, Yeah, losing out only by 500,000-ish to Prodigal Daughter. Yeah. And so I just didn't expect this to be that song. I felt like there were better songs on the album. And so I guess, I don't know, maybe that just left a bad taste in my mouth then because of that. Like, I, it's not that the song's bad, but it just wasn't what I was expecting out of the second best song in the album after what I'd already heard. Yeah. Well, part of that is, like I mentioned, it was one of the album's singles and it is a feature, features Elohim. So maybe that's got something to do with its high play count. It's just been around longer. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like I said, it just wasn't what I was expecting from, from that song. And I think that maybe turned me off of it more than it should have. Off of one listen only. That's interesting because it, it does not necessarily sound like the rest of this album. Other than In My Head, which would be the one I would say is the most out of place, Real Thing also kind of fits close to the least with the rest of them. Yeah. But it also feels like a tentpole track on this album. I feel like under no circumstances would I pull it out of the lineup if I had to like get rid of some. Yeah, I don't know. I only had one listen, and off of one listen, I would have. It was maybe the only one I would have. Wow, okay. Not saying that I like the album, just saying in terms of pulling a song. That would be uh, a swift decision for you then. So if someone was like paying you to remove a song, getting rid of Real Thing would be easy money. Absolutely. Almost as easy money as the next track, Easy Money. Yeah, of course. Easy Money's a cute little song, honestly. Yeah. Like, I'll bet on you because I know I can count on you. I honestly, off of one listen, liked Easy Money better than Real Thing. Uh, 
that's understandable. It's a little more sing-alongable. It's not floaty. It's a little more weight to it. I love the way it's all set up, where the chorus kind of asks, hey, would you put your money on me? Because I'd put all my money on you. Like, you're the you're my safe bet, and I'm just checking in to make sure that you know that I could be your safe bet, too. That's a great setup for this. But yeah, it's just a cute little fun sing-alongable song. Yeah, it sure is. And I love the bridge, too. If your bills are late and you're low on steam, you know what they say. Only the broke can dream. Yeah. And if time is money and the math is right, you don't gotta spend your money, just spend the night. Bam! That's so good. And she does this thing that Lights does a lot, I've noticed, is that she just takes that first half of the bridge and kind of copy and pastes it a second time. But I think that works really well because the first time through, you get a great chance to hear it for the first time and be exposed to it. And the second time, you get to hear it and know what's coming and really kind of anticipate the full effect of it. Yeah, I agree. Well, should we move on into track 11? Listen, I just wanted to let you inform you, the floor is lava. That's not good. That would have been a good time for you to say, okay, okay. Okay, okay. That was my favorite lyric uh, on this song specifically. It was in the pre-chorus when the floor is lava. We die today. Be my lover. Let's run away. Yeah, let's talk about okay, okay. I think this song tricks you a little bit. The first two lines say, I'm tired of talking about feelings. I'm stuck in a loop. And this first verse kind of makes me believe, leads me to believe on my first listen, that okay, okay is kind of a song about being exasperated. Like that okay, okay is like, ugh, whatever. You know what I mean? Okay, okay, let's get over it. Let's do something else. But it's not. And it doesn't turn into that until the chorus where all of a sudden there's a lover and we're running away we're getting pulled closer the knife's being twisted and it's like okay okay i'm in it with you for the long haul regardless of whatever comes whatever happens not okay okay whatever you say just okay okay whatever you say like i'm in ride or die let's go yeah it's the same it's easy money amplified because now that we're betting on each other, we're really putting that to the test. My favorite line, I mean, you talked about how yours is the lava floor. I think one of my favorite lines is in that first verse. I always say I'm the happiest sad girl you'll ever meet. No, that that's an actual really good line. Yes. The floor oh, is lava okay. was just like, I thought it funny. It's a little <laughs> funny. But I really love that line. It, it just, I don't know, that speaks volumes. Like, yeah, I'm still sad, but I'm happy about it. Or I'm like, you know, at least close to the edge, you know? Happy and sad at the same time, like Casey Musgraves. I can't help but notice we've passed a few tracks and you haven't yelled out any numbers. No, I haven't. Okay, good to know. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, up next is Voices Carry. Nice. Next to last track. Oh. <laughs> Just because you pointed out I hadn't done one, I figured I'll, I'll, I'll knock a nug back. Great. Lovely. Well, Voices Carry is the next track. Uh, it's a high-energy song, another one that I really like. It's our last high-energy song of the album, which is kind of sad. Yeah, I know. Well, I can't believe we're already at the end of the album. Getting close. Yeah, I, yeah, we got two left. I like the sound of Voices Carry. Yeah, they carry well. Well, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like kind of a like a curtain call for the album even though it's not the last track it has that same energy where like i don't know the cast is coming out and giving bows during a stage performance that's kind of the vibe i get from voices carry it's like the after party and uh thematically lyrically the song is all about voices carrying things get around so say what you gotta say you know and it will make it where you need to go one of my favorite lines from this song is they tell me i ought to know how to get up and go search the sky for the sun but the clouds are gray pretty solid lyric right at the end of that first verse and it kind of ties again everything's tied together somehow but that fits so perfectly with being the happiest sad girl you ever meet like yeah the skies are gray but i'm still out searching for the sun it's nice yeah i agree it is nice 
We get a little more oohs and oohs in this song, too, which I, I know how much you love an owo. I love me a good owo. We haven't had a good owo in a while. Yeah, we had a couple on this album. Yeah, I wonder if that's why I liked it. Assuming I liked it. Oh, assuming you liked it. Yeah, I'm not giving anything away. Eight! <laughs> Great. Nuggets are counting down slowly. Well, let's talk about the last track on the album, Grip. It is one of the album's shortest tracks, mm-hmm. especially lyrically. There's not a lot going on here in terms of just like quantity. Uh, quality plenty is happening i think it's a really cathartic way to end the album on a slow song kind of like we came into the album with beside myself yeah that's what i was gonna say oh sorry say it please i think it's good that we know a slower song like we started the album with like uh like beside myself Mm, i kind of disagree all right well (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah no that's that's pretty great there's only the one verse to it where she talks about your small manipulations of the palest imitations, testing the limitations of my grip. A lot of tations here. It's a, a tation-heavy verse. Yeah. But honestly, I don't mind. Uh, that's never even really stood out to me in a bad way. Love me a good tation. Yeah. Uh, the chorus is another repetitive one. Uh, I mean, at the end of the verse, she says, of my grip. And the chorus is just, of my grip, of my grip, of my grip, 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 grip. I don't mind it, but boy, is grip an appropriate title. I think it's cool because the song says, I don't want to think anymore. I just want to keep holding you in my grip. And that's kind of the sense that this album like aims to leave you with is we're done with all the hard mental gymnastics of all these songs. We're done being engaging for the for the rest of the album. We're just going to sit here and exist in the last moments of this record, which honestly kind of would loop back perfectly into Beside Myself of losing people and remembering the good times as we move on into the future. Boy, There's just some really good, really subtle little connections throughout this whole album. I think it's pretty great. But with that, I think it's time to move into Final Spin and loosen our grip on the secrets that are our scores. Seven. Seven nugs. Okay, we might make it there. For me, I think I said at the beginning, no secret that I like this album a lot. It's a fun album, top to bottom. I love the poppy, punchy style to it. It's the first I've ever heard of Lights. So this was a great recommendation from my friends. This was one that I was really excited to put on the podcast. Uh, Musically, these songs are, it's a tight collection of 13. I mean, we talked about the ones that ebb a little bit away from the median in, in my head and real thing. But that's not drastic, and they're still good songs in their own right, even if they're maybe a little inconsistent with the album. I'm giving music a 90. A 90, okay. It's pretty high. A lot of these songs are on my playlist. Uh, a lot of them. In fact, it may be all of them. I don't remember for sure, <laughs> but I, I just like them. It's a good album. All of them is a lot of them. Yeah. Lyrically, it's a little, you know, less. It's still a very solid lyrical album, and I honestly don't have any specific complaints about it. There are some parts that repeat, but they're not like, they don't detract, you know, even though they're repetitive, they don't diminish the album in any way. I'm giving lyrics an 86. A lot of really cool decisions about metaphor, about way to turn physical things into internal thoughts and vice versa a lot of twists on popular phrases that i really enjoy so 86 on lyrics instruments of production i like that each of these songs has its own unique sound six no i'm not giving it a six (laughs) no instruments of production 
all of these songs have their own distinct sonic profile, which I love. I think if you take any like two second snippet of any of these songs, you could identify it as separate from the others. Like you could definitely pick them out from any two seconds of them, which is so cool. But they all go together well enough to make this cohesive album. 88 on instruments and production. Overall vibe, I just have no complaints. I need to go listen to more lights is my thought at the end of this album. It's so good. Overall vibe is getting a 92, which makes its final score 90 points even, 90.0, and puts it at number 83 on the ranking list. 83, top 100, okay. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of energy. It's a bright album that's not afraid to be a little moody and emotional when it needs to. Yeah, good album. What's your playlist pick? Ah, you're going to make me go first. I was going to not say anything to see Uh if you would pick one. Nope, I asked. My playlist pick, I'm between Money in the Bag and Jaws. Really? I love that stretch of the album so much. Okay. I think if you're going to twist my arm, I'd take Jaws because Money in the Bag has a little less going on for it lyrically. Where it excels musically, it's a little weaker in the lyrics department. Jaws is kind of the complete package in that regard. I'm going to start with my score instead of my top three. Whoa, that's a new one. Also, five. Five? Wow. Okay, bad score. All right, I thought you liked that. Oh, wait, no, no, no. (laughs) Well, I'm starting with my score because I'm afraid talking about the top three and everything else will spoil my score. That's fair and understandable. I'll be honest. For your score from this one, I'm hoping eight or above. Eight or above. It's a high bar. Well, you know I've never given a 10. Realistically, an eight or a nine. So a seven would disappoint you? It would, yes. Even a top of the sevens? Yeah, yeah, uh, that would disappoint me. But a bottom of the eights? Also would disappoint me. Oh. There's a line in there somewhere. Where's the line? American Idiot is my line. Okay, so it's got to be above American Idiot. But it it could lose out the kiss. I mean, at a bare minimum, yes. Okay. Well, you don't have to worry about that because this one's getting nine passable O's out of ten. Yeah, it is. Look at that. We got another nine, ladies and gents. It's been a minute. We've done it again. It has. I thought this would be a nine for you. Honestly, the when the moment I put this album on the podcast sheet, I went, he's going to like this. Yeah, yeah, and I did. In fact, this one is going to go right Below Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus. Wow, that's pretty high. And here is why. This is the first album since the one I brought, Barry Manilow, and the one I brought, Miley Cyrus, and the one you brought, Dua Lipa, that I have just wanted to binge listen to since my one listen. (laughs) Oh, awesome. I do think the other three were better, I think, as a whole album, but it's pretty darn close. I just, every single track pretty much, except Real Thing. Real Thing is probably what kept it below Plastic Hearts, if I'm if I'm being honest. Wow. I just, I really just want to listen to this album on repeat several more times. I did listen to this album on repeat. And for the last two months, this has been a go-to record for me. So it's Spotify wrapped time. And, you know, last year's Spotify wrapped, I was in like the top 0.01% for Miley Cyrus listeners, right? <laughs> yeah, it was wild. That was really something. Yeah, I was. I was in like the top 0.01% of listeners for total time listening to Plastic Hearts specifically. Mm-hmm. And then this year, I was in like the top 0.05% for Barry Manilow because of even now, how many times I just listened to that on repeat. I'm thinking next year, you're going to see me in the top point something percent for lights 
because of this album. Wow. Which is also why I was shocked at the beginning when you were giving me everything. You said that this was like her worst performing album. I know. But honestly, I was like, I like this one so much. I'm like, am I going to like the other ones that performed better? Like, is it only up from here? Is it only down from here? I don't know. Well, we're going to have to find out together because I haven't listened to the others yet either. So, yeah, you know, that's my predictions for next year's Spotify Wrapped is uh, Lights will be my top listen. Amazing. <laughs> this then rivals Dua Lipa in terms of albums that I've brought you. Yeah. That you've just been blown away by. Yep. Because again, if you look at my top scores, you got The Stranger and No Jacket Required, which were ones I would have brought if you didn't. Uh, then you got the one I brought, which was Barry Manilow. Then Dua Lipa, which was episode five, all the way back at episode five. <laughs> it's been a minute. 70 episodes ago. I brought Miley Cyrus. I kind of brought the band Camino. That was back before I really brought things. And Bad Sons. Bad Sons was brought by a friend of mine who introduced me to them. So my top scores have been a lot of me-centric things. And so Dua Lipa and now Lights are kind of your two standouts there. Yeah, and I was actually pretty happy with Coheed and Cambria's Nine from you as well. Yep, yep. It's funny too because this is an artist. It really does rival Dua Lipa, right? Because I did not even know this person existed until you brought them to me on the podcast. Just like with Dua Lipa. So. Bingo. I'm so excited. I love it. I love this album. I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't listened to it and you've made it all the way through this podcast without listening to it for some reason, go check it out. And so with that in mind, because I just want to listen to this album on repeat, I had a really hard time picking my top three and I thought that would spoil the nine. So that's why I wanted to oh, start there. Uh, fair enough. So I have a question though. Aren't I still owed one extra extra from where the mixtaper didn't pick any the week he took over when I was at Connor Con? No. Uh, I think I think I'm owed one still. You know what? We're coming up on the Spencer Wonderland season. I can't afford to be down one next week for what's basically a my pick. No, no, no. That's why I'm asking. Well, I'm. it's the Spinner Wonderland season. I'm feeling generous, and I'm pretty happy that you like this album so much. So, you know what? This one's going to be... I'm, I'm, this is the first time I'm ever doing this, and maybe the only time. Total freebie. There will be no penalty for however many top songs you have. Well, in that case, everything but real thing. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just going to take five. Okay, solid. I respect that. Four plus a conorable mention. And it's going to be in album order beside myself. Oh, right off the bat. Yeah, another one right off the bat in my head. Mm, two that I would not have included personally. Prodigal Daughter, OK, OK, and Grip, as the conorable mention. As for my playlist pick, ugh, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Because in my head, like I said, I really enjoyed the more punk rock. Like, it reminded me of Plastic Hearts. I really liked, again, rollerblading vibes of Prodigal Daughter. <laughs> okay, okay. Another just instrumental, just powerhouse. Those are, I'm torn on all three of those. I'm going to go Prodigal Daughter. I'm okay, okay with that. It was the most popular song on the album, according to Spotify. And it's the most popular song for me, according to me. Okay, <laughs> Okay. sounds good. Jaws, Prodigal Daughter it is. Uh, a 90 from me and a 9 for you. Once again, our scores have aligned <laughs> actually perfectly. A resounding 9. A resounding 9, yes. And an 83 overall on the ranking list is no slouch. Next week is Spinter Wonderland. The holiday season is upon us. We're taking it a little easier than we did last year. Spinter Wonderland was our big holiday last year. This year we did Mixtober. This year was Mixtober. Next year, probably something like St. Patrick's Day. Well, we already used John. John Mayer, so we'll have to find something else. 
National PB&J Day. We found out that's in April. That'd be fun. April Fool's Day. If you're looking for pictures of the Rockadile <laughs> or more fun Spinit content, be sure once again to follow us on socials on Twitter at SpinitPod and on Instagram at SpinitPodOfficial. We also have plans for our TikTok account sometime in the future. And you should also check out our Twitter and send us some of your favorite holiday songs or covers by artists that we've done episodes on. We're gearing up for another bracket challenge, and we'd love your input on that. Yes, we would. So send them our way. Hit us up on social media. Write us a letter. Send it to area code H-O-H-O-H-O. That'll get it to Santa. <laughs> He'll bring it to us. But we won't be able to reply until Christmas. You'll have to wait and, until Santa delivers. Okay, okay. I don't remember if I ever... Sh- I don't remember if I shouted out four, but I'm at three! <laughs> Fantastic. Well, also, our Spotify rap just came out, and the podcast numbers were so, like, good. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Oh, it was great. I was... I mean... We kind of monitor that stuff, but it's hard to monitor that. And at the end of the day, it's not why we do it. So No, I think we'd make this podcast if no one listened. <laughs> I think it'd be even wilder if we knew nobody listened. But it was. It's just really cool to see that, you know how many new people we picked up and how many of you like listen to us week to week. And, and share it. That's wild, too. The number of people that we were on like, their top five podcast was a wild number. Yeah. It was, uh, it was cool. And if you don't listen to us on Spotify, yeah, we love you, too. But we have no way of knowing. Well, I, I mean... <laughs> There are other analytics out there. They're just too complicated for Connor. But they don't deliver them to us with music and pretty colors. Yeah. Two. Well, either way, it sounds like you already know what to do based on our Spotify rap numbers. But if you haven't figured it out yet, keep spinning. Keep spinning. That was a premature keep spinning. Do I just down these last two so they can save me through all 50? I'm so close. I'm so close at this point. You have to make it through all 50, right? You're at the finish line. I'm just going to shove them both in my mouth at once. It sounds like a bad idea. It's just too nugs for now. (laughs) Zero. Did you just say zero? 50 nugs. We we teased the nugs and I ate them all. Congratulations. This is a 50 nugget episode. (laughs) Nug, 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 nug.